Hello and welcome to Out and About Imlovians. I'm your host, Jeremy Balfour. As part of my job as Member of the Scottish Parliament, I get to travel around Malovians, meeting interesting people and hearing about how the companies, charities and projects they work for benefit and contribute to our community. On this podcast, I will share their stories. On today's episode, I'm looking forward to talking to Lindsay Gardner from Edinburgh Children's Hospital Charity. Lindsay, Edinburgh Children's Hospital Charity is one of these charities that people probably know the name, but what does it do? Um, well, Jeremy, I'll give you a little bit of the history. Um, so this charity started off about 26, 27 years ago as uh the Sick Kids Friends Foundation was its original incarnation. And it was set up um, originally with the purpose of um, supporting, you know, the the, the, hosp- the old hospital in Sheens. Um, and it was a way of um, people whose children, grandchildren, friends' children had been in hospital in terms of making some sort of contribution to the hospital as a, you know, as a, a way of gratitude, if you like, for the care that they their offspring had had and it sort of grew out of that ethos of friendship if you like being a friend of the hospital and um, and there were sort of people who would go into wards and you know volunteer to spend time with the children but also um, to provide things like accommodation for parents you know it's stressful time for your uh, for families when children are in hospital so it provided beds in the wards so that parents could sleep in the wards and so that's really how it started and it's evolved over the years and our sort of ethos if you like is that um, a child should be a child first and a patient second being being in hospital going through healthcare can be quite traumatic for the child and uh, for the for the family the parents and siblings as well so what we do as a charity is trying to smooth that passage through the hospital um, so what we provide are, we, we raise money and spend money by giving grants to people who apply for grants in the hospital to provide equipment, or we provide, uh, we pay for play nurses, we pay for all the sort of arts equipment, music therapy. And one of, uh, in the new hospital at Little France, um, if you've been in there, when you walk into reception, it's a big colourful area with pictures of Edinburgh and dragons and castles and all that sort of thing. And all that was paid for by by this charity, which is to make healthcare settings feel a bit more welcoming um, to children. Another big thing that we do is we have the what we call the wellbeing hub. Um, and that wellbeing hub is a place for uh, children, young people in the hospital to go. It's a bit like a youth, um, youth club, if you like, for for the patients, actually for their siblings as well. And that's that started off as a sort of place to go to meet other children in, um, uh, in hospital, but actually has evolved into a support network for parents, for siblings, a place where people can come and talk and get a bit of space away from, away from the ward as well, because, you know, the impact on siblings is quite great in terms of having someone who's in hospital for the longer term. So... That gives you a little bit of a flavour, maybe, Jeremy, in terms of some of the things that, that we do. And and what for, I mean, as you say, for some children who will be in hospital for quite a long time. Yeah. And, and what is the impact on that family? Because clearly yeah. you're trying to give some kind of wraparound help. And, and yeah. Can you just explain a wee bit more about 
how that can impact a family staying yeah. being in hospital for a while. Uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's sort of simple things like um, separation from siblings. So you're separating, you know, um, uh, close relationships because some of the some of the children are in hospital for really extended periods of times. It can be weeks. It can be months, or are in are inpatient or outpatient attendees who attend every week so it puts quite a lot of stress on families that separation from siblings you know people having to juggle work commitments with you know ferrying their children back and forward to the hospital um so it puts a lot of stress in that environment it puts a lot of stress on their education as well so there are um uh, there are classrooms Scenario, situations in the hospital where people can kids can go along and attend lessons and uh, and get that sort of ongoing schooling, so it has lots of sort of physical and emotional impacts as well. So so anything that we can do to, as I say, help the the patient be a child first is really what we try to do. So part of it is a little bit of education in terms of you know arts and music and and all these sorts of things, but primarily it's about just providing that support but it's also providing um, somewhat somewhere and someone that parents and children can talk to as well which is why the well-being hub that I mentioned has become so much more important because we get hundreds of visits a year into the into the hub just from people to as I say have someone to talk to someone to compare situations with to compare um, what their children are going through and, and get some reassurance that they're doing the right thing as well. And presumably parents and children quite like not talking to a doctor or a nurse as well, right? It's somebody who's slightly removed and who's not going to just give them a medical opinion. It's more it, a kind of rounded conversation people can have. Absolutely right. And, um, and you know, we, we, we're very careful that we're not here to do something that the NHS, we're not here to replace the NHS, we're not here to replace anyone in the social care network. We're here as a bit of an, an, an add-on, um, but what we have found over the years is that parents like talking to parents, and um, and we've, um, I think as you know, um, Jeremy, we're spending quite a lot of time now on looking into mental well-being and, and um, um, and what we've really, some of the research that we've seen there is that what's really missing is an opportunity for parents to speak to parents, for parents to get some, because it's really tough. If you've got a child who's got, you know, um, uh, mental well-being issues, um, things like anxiety, anorexia, we see a lot of anorexia. It's how do how do the parents know that they are doing the right things? They're doing all they can do. And they don't necessarily get that by talking to a clinician because a clinician is very focused on the child, rightly. Um, so if we, we, what we're finding is that there's a real need to provide a slightly different network, and that's one of the things that we're spending quite a lot of time and effort on at the moment. And I think you also fund research projects as well. So that's, can you just tell us a wee bit about how that works and yep. what's the type of research are you looking at? So what... What we do around the hospital is we, we make it known to clinicians um, that there is money available to support research. And um, so if there, if there is an area of medicine or um, uh, mental health um, that um, a clinician would like to do some research into, then we 
might fund that. Um, uh, and we have supporters who we can go to who, uh, who we know would support particular aspects of medical research. And um, so it's things that the NHS wouldn't provide or, aren't a, or isn't a short-term priority for the NHS. So, for example, um, we have just funded a, 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 an epilepsy, a guided epilepsy laser, um, which helps in the treatment of adolescent um, epilepsy. Now, that the total cost of that is about a quarter of a million pounds, and we found a very generous donor who paid for for most of it. And um, so that's an example. We'll have groundbreaking treatment um, here in Edinburgh. That um, is, I think, there's one other place in the UK that's got a similar piece of equipment that will help in the treatment of epilepsy. So that's the sort of thing that we can find donors for, we can raise money for, um, that the NHS potentially wouldn't prioritise in the short term. Um, and another thing that we, we're doing at the moment is, um, one of the things that I personally feel really passionate about, and we do as a, a, trust, a board of trustees, is the growing crisis, maybe too strong a word, but around child men, mental well-being. And... Um, as you know, the sort of quotes of up that can take up to two years to be seen through CAMS, not just in Edinburgh, but in other parts of the UK as well. So we're very keen to see if there's something that can be done to help reduce waiting lists. And part of that is, is research into why are people on the waiting lists and are, are there early interventions and predictive um, work that can be done in terms of is a child likely to head down a particular path and an early intervention might prevent them going down down that path. And the reason I feel particularly passionate about this, Jeremy, is I've got two teenage daughters and you're just observing what they've been going, you know, going through through their adolescent years in terms of the impact of social media and, you know, peer pressure and all these sorts of things. There's a huge amount of things that come into you know that those teenage adolescent years that are, are putting a lot of pressure on our, our our youngsters so it doesn't just happen you don't just magic this money no nope. um presumably yep. so presumably there's a, there's a team that work here yeah just tell us a wee bit about the structure of, of the charity uh, okay no we have a team of about 25 um people who work for the charity and most of whom work part-time um and um but the one thing most of them have in common is that they're all they all have children, you know, and um, and some have had some really direct um, uh, contact with health services, and and others less so. But they, you know they're all passionate about working here, um, which is is really important and, and really beneficial for us. Um, we have um, a team who are very much focused on well-being that um, I mentioned earlier on, and they spend a lot of time in the hospital and healthcare settings, on the wards, in the hub, that sort of thing. And then we have a team like of fundraisers, like most charities, um, and um, and all of our funding is raised by ourselves. There's no we start the year with a blank slate, so there's no government funding or anything for this particular charity. Um, so it's the, the money's raised by corporate donors, from corporate donors, from being employees charity of the years, to sponsored walks, 
marathons, skydiving, all the, all the sorts of things that people, crazy things that people do to raise money for charity. Um, and we are lucky to have received requests um, and um, and we apply to trusts and foundations and, and all, all that sort of thing. And it's been an interesting time. I mean, the pandemic, um, on the one hand, meant that we couldn't do some of the big fundraising events that we do, dinners and what have you, because it just wasn't possible. But on the other hand, you know, people were very generous through the pandemic and um, being a, a charity associated with healthcare and the impact clearly on the great work the NHS did, there was a lot of real goodwill to charities around um, healthcare. So that was really important to us. We're going into, however, a period of uncertainty, if you like, in terms of we hear a lot about cost of living crisis and all that sort of thing. So one of the things we're really uncertain about is what impact will that have on our fundraising over the next few months? Um, because, you know, um, people, when they do sponsored walks, go to their friends and family to sponsor them. Well, in the past, they might have given them 20 quid. Maybe in the future, they might only give them £10 or £5, whatever they can afford. So, And I think that the, the charity sector is maybe in for some tougher times over the next few months, depending on how things play out, really. So, so you're the chairman of, of, of the trustees of, of the board. Yeah. Um, just tell us, how does, what's your background? How did you get into it? You told me a bit about your interest for your daughters, but yeah. how did you end up being here? So um, my background, I'm, a, I'm an accountant by training. Um, so I was um, for, I worked for, PwC, which is one of the big four accounting firms, for um, I've been there for over thirty years, um, and one of the things that we did a lot of, and I'm recently retired, but when when I was there, what we did a lot of was encouraging our teams and our people to be part of their communities, and we did a lot of um, spent a lot of time and money in terms of supporting um, our people in terms of what they wanted to do in their communities and give something back, and. Uh, and, you know, I used to stand on platforms and say this is a great thing and everybody should do it. And I kind of got to the stage where I'm thinking, actually, I'm not doing anything particularly myself. And um, and I'd spent a lot of time traveling and, and I kind of found out a bit more time available and what, what could I do? So um, I happened to be chatting to a headhunter who was in the office one day and he said, you wouldn't happen to know anybody who might be interested in chairing the board of this charity. And I thought, well, actually, yes, I, I would be interested if I was the right fit. And that's really how it started. And um, and I was really keen because I've all, and all the time I've lived in Edinburgh, I've lived in Edinburgh for 40 years, I've always lived in the south side, you know, not that far away from mm -hmm. Sheen's. So, you know, the Sick Kids Hospital, as it was, um, you know, was on my doorstep all through that time. Um, I mentioned I've got a couple of daughters, and I'm, I've been very, very lucky that only one of them has spent one night in the hospital. But nonetheless, you sort of you come across that. But here, um, so I wanted something to be tried to be involved in something that was local, but definitely involved children was kind of what one of the, the the two kind of key things. And this came along, and it and it um, was a good fit for me personally. And hopefully, I've been able to add something to the the charity over the years that that I've been involved and. Um, you know, I think what what do I bring? Well, I bring experience of working in large organisations, working with people, a network, contacts, all all that sort of thing, and um, and I, I 
and one of the things I really enjoy is, and I always did enjoy, was that sort of mentoring aspect of work. And, and I, I spend a, a lot of time with our chief exec here, Rosalind Neely. And, um, but one of the, the great things for me is I've learned so much. Rosalind will always say, oh, it's great, I learn things from you. But actually, I learn more from Rosalind than she'll ever get from me, just in terms of how she goes about what, what she does and uh, her passion and enthusiasm for for the role um, that, that she has here as well. So it's a win-win as far as I'm concerned, Jeremy. So. I, I always like to finish with um, a question, which is if I gave you a, a wand, a magic wand, and you could wish one or two things yeah. for a charity, going forward, what, what, what are the challenges or what are the things would you like to see happen? Well, I think, you know, I think we're very lucky now in Edinburgh in that we've got a brand new world-class children's hospital. So, you know, the, the, the physical aspects of healthcare, I think we're, you know, we're very lucky to have that on our doorstep. And um, I think I've mentioned children's mental well-being two or three times. I do think that is, um, if, if we had a, a big pot of money and, and something that I personally would direct it towards, it would be around that mental well-being thing. Because I've always felt that if you see someone with a broken leg, you know they've got a broken leg and you know there's something wrong with them. But you can't always tell if a child, a young person is suffering from depression, anxiety, all these sorts of things which I think are a real drain um, on, on themselves and society, then that's the area I would personally prioritise. Um, and... Uh, and we'll keep on looking for that big pot of money to do it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. It was great to hear from Lindsay. It's been interesting to hear about the important work the charity are doing. We'll put a link to their website in the show notes, and you can go to it if you want to find out more. Thank you for listening to Out and About in Melovians, and I look forward to catching you next time. Mm-hmm.